Welcome back to another episode of the Heal Pain Expert podcast, the show for health professionals interested in keeping up to date with the latest research on plantar heel pain. I'm your host, Ben Boschel, and in this episode, we're going to review a paper published in The Foot, and this was published this year, so it's pretty hot off the press. Uh, the title of the paper is Similar Effect of Ultrasound-Guided Platelet-Rich Plasma versus Platelet-Poor Plasma Injections for Chronic Plantar Fasciitis. So the clue uh, to the findings of this research uh, is in the title. So, um, well, I, I guess that's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. Um, see you next time. Now, but jokes aside, uh, it's still worth reviewing um, how the study was conducted and how meaningful these findings are, as some research papers can draw misleading conclusions if the study design is heavily flawed. So it's definitely worth us looking into this a bit further. Hopefully you haven't already skipped this episode. So uh, if you're still here, let's tuck into it and um, see see what's going on with it. So the aim of the study was to compare the effectiveness of a single ultrasound-guided platelet-rich plasma injection, uh, which we'll just call PRP, versus platelet-poor plasma. So we'll call that one PPP, uh, injections for the plantar fasciitis. This was a prospective, double-blind, randomized, single-case study in patients with recalcitrant plant fasciitis for at least six months. Inclusion criteria were ultrasound-confirmed plant fasciitis, along with typical plant fasciitis symptoms. Patients um, had to be older than 18 years of age and not responded to traditional treatments. Exclusion criteria were patients with rheumatologic diseases, known malignancy, bleeding disorders, uh, previous local surgery, previous shockwave therapy, regional osteoarthritis, pregnant women, and patients with peripheral neuropathy, and those who had undergone a corticosteroid injection in the past three months. In total, the study included 36 patients, which were divided into two groups. There were 18 patients who received an ultrasound-guided PRP injection, and there were 18 patients who received an ultrasound-guided PPP injection. So it's probably worth a quick mention the difference between these two types of injections. So PRP, platelet-rich plasma, means that the blood has been uh, spun in a centrifuge to separate the platelets uh, in the plasma, and then that high volume or concentration of platelets is what is is injected into the plant fascia and around the plant fascia. Um, with PPP, so platelet poor, uh, sorry, a bit of a mouthful that platelet poor plasma, then the blood has been taken from the patient, so a blood sample has been taken from the arm to get the adequate volume, but the blood hasn't been uh, put into a centrifuge, so it's just regular blood basically, which has been injected back into the patient. So prior to these blood injections, all patients received uh, four milliliters of lidocaine before having the blood injections. And this is to help with comfort of the injection. The outcome measures were uh, VAS scales for pain function and patient satisfaction on a 0 to 100 scale. And follow-ups were done at 3 and 6 months. Success was determined if a patient reported a VAS between 0 and 20 at the follow-up period. So firstly, in the PRP group, the VAS pain score at baseline, so prior to injection, was 74. 
at three months this reduced to 42 and at six months it reduced further to 29. The VAS function score for the PRP was 17 at baseline, 58 at three months and 46 at six months. VAS satisfaction was 18 at baseline, 66 at three months and 73 at six months. In the PPP group, VAS pain at baseline was 69, which reduced to 38 at three months and 43 at six months. VAS function was 23 at baseline, 56 at three months and 40 at the six month mark. And the satisfaction VAS was 21 at baseline, 70 at three months and 68 at six months. In the PRP group, 11 out of the 18 patients had a VAS pain score between 0 and 20, and these patients were therefore deemed healed. And in the PPP group, 9 out of these 18 patients had a VAS score that was below, uh, sorry, between 0 and 20, uh, so they were also deemed healed. Overall, this study demonstrated that both treatments provided significant improvements at the six-month follow-up, although only 61% of the PRP group had um, had fully healed and just 50% of the PPP group had. So sticking to this outcome measure of a 0 to 20 pain score um, on a total value of 0 to 100, the, um, the number of patients which were deemed healed was, was you know, relatively modest in both groups. So these results demonstrate that overall the PRP group fared slightly better across the board, but not by too much. And as with all studies, this research is not without its limitations. Firstly, the six-month follow-up can be considered short, so it's, uh, what, what we don't know is what the VAS scores um, would have been a bit later down the line for these patients and whether they would have regressed. Both groups had small numbers of patients with just 18 in each group, and there was no mention of the equipment used um, in the, uh, to produce the, the platelet-rich plasma. And this is an important factor as the number of platelets produced from different centrifuge manufacturers varies very significantly. Um, and so what we don't know is whether they used a centrifuge which produced a high platelet yield or a relatively low one. If the, the yield was low, um, then basically both groups would have been receiving a very similar type of injection. If the platelet yield was very high, however, uh, in comparison to the, the PPP group, um, yet the results aren't hugely different, then this does uh, question the, the significance of platelets uh, or the volume or concentration of the platelets with doing blood injections. So basically, one could argue that if the centrifuge was rubbish and the platelet yield was low, then this might be why the results weren't different between the two groups. And then on the other hand, one could argue that if the platelet yield was actually very high, say eight times above baseline values, uh, yet the difference in pain scores overall wasn't really that big, then it does beg the question whether it's really necessary to do PRP and whether autologous blood injections, which means not using a fancy machine, might suffice. I think certainly further research is required to try and un uh, answer these questions uh, so that we've got a better understanding of, of PRP. Um, because the link, the relevance to clinical practice is that many uh, podiatrists and other health professionals don't have access to a centrifuge. And these are very costly machines. So typically you'd generally find them in private hospitals and you wouldn't come across them regularly in a regular private clinic. 
or in NHS hospitals. But if if the the technology or the machine uh, isn't really necessary to get to get the clinical results you're after, doing a simple autologous blood injection is much more simple and cost effective. All you need to do is have the skills to take a blood sample from the patient's arm, and then you're just re-injecting that into the plantar fascia. Uh, whereas the centrifuge comes with a huge uh, outlay for um, purchasing machine in the first place, and there is um, some additional um, equipment used for each time you need to. Um, work the machine to separate the blood so it's it's quite a it's quite a big process to go through with a, with heavy um, outlay in terms of financial expense so more podiatrists might be um, might have access to or be more willing to do autologous blood injections as opposed to having to go through the hassle of investing in any centrifuge but what we don't know with confidence at the moment is whether or how important it is to treatment success Okay, so we've come to the end of this episode. Uh, well done if you've made it this far, and, and a huge thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank the authors of the paper um, who featured in this episode for their hard work in um, helping inform clinical practice. If you would like further information on the paper reviewed, you can find a link to it on the website, www.thehillpainexpert.com. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to keep up to date with future content, hit the subscribe button. You can find me on Twitter at heelexpert. And also, if you'd like me to buy me a beer for my efforts, you can find me on Patreon at The Hill Pain Expert. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.